It demands that we tell sinners the whole truth. We will not go quietly into the night. Christian Cornerstone Podcast. Welcome to another broadcast of the Cornerstone Ministry Project. This is like recording number three. I had some technical issues. One, I forgot to plug in my microphone. Um, there was uh, some technical issues with the uh, software I'm using. I had an update, so I had to work on some settings, and I hopefully we do not break this connection. And uh, I'm really hoping that we can continue this stream. Um, now, as we know, uh, we're getting into uh, John chapter 9. And uh, uh, I, I'm really tickled by this. Again, like I've shared in the past, um, you know, there's personal experiences throughout the weeks. Uh, and it might just be that my mind is open to seeing these things a little bit better. I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying it's some supernatural, mystical experience uh, that God has given me each week to, to testify about. But um, I would say that my mind is more open and, and acknowledgeable of what is going on. Now, before we get into this, I do want to, again, like I get this all set up here. Um, I do want to remind you all that I did, in fact, I'm really, I'm still excited about this, uh, write my first book, uh, Doctrine, uh, The Desperation of Doctrinal Refor <coughs> excuse me, of Doctrinal Reformation. And in this book, there's only six chapters, there's only about a hundred some odd pages, and uh, I went into explaining the issues uh, that we have within this modern day church. You know, there's some churches that would claim, and we've discussed these in past podcasts, um, there's some that would claim, you know, the importance of why our, our theology does not matter as long as we focus on Jesus. Um, the idea of focusing on Jesus, I wanted to tackle the identity of Jesus, that our identity of who Christ is, is just as important um, as our theology itself. Uh, there's also a chapter on the need for Bereans, or as some ministers, false teachers like to call it, false, um, they like to refer to them as doctrinal police, uh, or even heresy hunters are two terms that, um, that are used. So I want to, um, try to share this. It's not working too well. Um, I'm trying to share this video right now on my personal feed and you know what, we're just going to go ahead and get out my phone and do it this way, the old fashioned way here. Um, anyways, so this book here, I wanted to tackle some of these, these things that are, have, have made, made their way into the church. Um, and I find great concern with, and even the identity of love is really awesome. I saw an article uh, somebody posted in a group I'm part of uh, about, um, I want to say, not Calvin, uh, I can't remember, Martin, not Martin Lloyd, uh, J.C. Ryle. J.C. Ryle was the gentleman who was given credit for this, and he was basically saying the same thing I have, is this false identity of love has made it within the church. So, bottom line to that is the book is completed. It's Unfortunately, it is self-published, but, you know, the book is out there. Uh, currently, six chapters, and you can find it by going to the store page on christiancornerstone.org. And, uh, you know, check out the copy there. You can get yourself an ebook um, through that uh, through that platform, through that portal uh, on our website. Or, excuse me, I'm choking on drink right now. But uh, if you would like to also, if you have an iPhone, an Apple device, you can go to the Apple Bookstore and purchase your copy that way as well. All you have to do is uh, type my name in, Bill Rick Secker, and you can find that on our website as well. Um, also on the uh, the page for the description of the information or, or of the book. So uh, those are some options out there. If you do not want to, you know, if you don't want to just you know do a one-time payment and make a purchase of this book, um, you can also do you can also acquire this book by becoming a financial partner. Any, <coughs> excuse me, give me a minute here. Okay, I think I'm good. So I hope this coughing thing doesn't happen. I'm choking on this monster drink. So, um, anyways, as I was saying, before we got rudely interrupted, 
was that uh, if you would like to, you know, any uh, uh, financial member of any amount, 5, 10, 20, those are the limits that we have right now. Uh, if you would like to partake in this and, and be an ongoing member, uh, a member of uh, a financial supporter, you will, as a, as a complimentary gift and a way of saying thank you, will receive your free copy of the latest published book. Um, and I say that because there's at least four or five books on the list to make, and there's going to be plenty more out there. Right now, you'll get Doctrinal Reformation, and the next book, which I'm working on, is kind of an extension for Chapter 6. Chapter 6, I talked a little bit about forgiveness, um, and uh, so I wanted to kind of extend that more, because it, it raises a lot more questions than it answers. Uh, and that was my intention uh, of writing that chapter. So to really get the, the brain thinking, you know, as far as, you know, can, you know, what does it really mean? What is forgiveness? What does it look like? So I wanted to raise those questions and I wanted to leave you hanging, leave that cliffhanger intentionally um, because book number two, the entire book is over the biblical description and the biblical identity of forgiveness. So I'm really excited to get that out to you guys. Now, as we get into this um, today, John chapter nine, we're going to be finishing this up uh, today. We have, uh, we're, we, last week, we opened up with this uh, gentleman who was born blind. And Christ, uh, we discussed how Christ heals him, and he, he makes it clear that this it's not because this man sinned, and it is not because his parents sinned, but this, this is for the glory of God. And now for those of you who did not check that out yet, we also did, you know, I want to make this clear, um, you know, you can go back and get the full details in the, in the last podcast of Sin or Glory. And um, in there we discussed that these calamities, sometimes they just happen. Sometimes it's just a part of nature, sometimes that's a part of God's glory, and sometimes it is our, in fact, our own sin. So that's what we discussed last week. Now this week we're kind of getting into a little bit more little bit deeper uh, you know this man he's been healed and he's confronted by his friends he's confronted by his Pharisees he's, he's cast out and Jesus commends him so we're gonna get into that um, I will have this up on the screen for those of you who are watching the video if you'd like to uh, follow along you can do so as well so open your Bibles up to John chapter 9 uh, or you can follow along on the screen and we will go ahead and cover this. Okay, so his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, those who have, have seen him before, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. And, you know, it's possibly a twin or something like that. Somebody we don't know or, you know, a doppelganger. He himself insisted, yes, I am that man. And then, how are your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I could see where, where is this man, they asked. He said, I don't know, he said. They brought the Pharisees to the man who had been blind. And when one day in which, uh, and now the day on which Jesus had made the mud open to man's eyes on this was in fact the Sabbath. Therefore, the, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he put mud on his eyes. He put mud on, on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not of God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such a sign? So they were divided. Now then they turned to the blind man and what you have said or what what have you to say about him? It was uh, it was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he is a prophet. Still they did not believe him and the uh, that he had been blind and received sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son they asked? Is this the one who you say was born blind and is or who who the one you say was born blind how is it that he can now see we know he is our son the parents answered and we know that he was born blind but how can how he can see now or who opened his eyes we don't know he asked him he is of age 
He will speak for himself. His parents said... Excuse me, man. i got to take these glasses off. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, or the Jewish leaders. They who already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's important to remember. Anyone, let me read that again. The Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why the parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summon the man who had been born blind. Give, give God the glory to give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, "We know that this man is a sinner." He replied, "Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see." And they asked him, "What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes?" And he answered, "I have told you already, and you did not listen." Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. You are di we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, referring to Jesus, we do not know him or where he comes from. And the man answered, That is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opens my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And Jesus heard about... Uh, Jesus had heard that they had thrown him out of the temple, or thrown him out, and they, when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the, the formerly blind man, he says, Who is he, sir? The man asked, Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him, and in fact, he is the one you are speaking to. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and that those who, will, those who do see will become blind. And some Pharisees who, who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are, you, what are, we, are, you, are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now you see, now you claim to see, and your guilt remains. This is the word of God, my friends. Now, this is uh, fairly long, and uh, there's a lot that we can go with in here. So I want to try to tackle this the best we can. We've got about 45 minutes uh, to do so. But uh, in this passage, you know, this man, you know, it says here that he was born from, his, from birth. From birth, he was born blind. Let me get both these screens up here for us. <clears throat> Okay, so he was born blind. This formerly man, he's he's come and uh, you know given a little bit of a recap. We uh, we're gonna go over this past couple of verses here. He goes and washes his eyes, and he comes back. And you have these neighbors, these people he grew up with. These people says like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Isn't that Jeffrey over there? Isn't this the same man we saw just sitting outside the temple who was begging for money? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I I, I think that is him. So. They're wondering, how? And then we obviously know that there's some people who do not know him well enough, that they've seen the man, but they do not know him personally, because we have some other people saying, no, that's not him. This, this has to just be a guy that looks like him. But then you've got the man himself. He testifies, and he says, no, my friends, I am he. I was once blind, but now I see. Such amazing grace has come over me. By the way, I just made that up. I'm really proud of that. So they're asking the question, really, this man has been blind since birth. We don't know, you know, it is physically impossible. In fact, they make this claim in this passage. It's physically impossible for anybody that is blind to see. When, when the physical mental condition of I cannot physically see is, is, is there, is involved... It is permanent. There is no changing it. 
at least in fact, you know, in that time period we know, we, which is really awesome, we have these uh, new scientific advancements, these medical advancements in which this actually does happen. I, I, I don't know for sure what's going on, but I do, from what at last I've read, um, there's some articles that where people can wear uh, these glasses, which allow them to see. They didn't have this kind of technology back in the day. So if you're blind, you're blind. If you're deaf, you're deaf. If you're lame, you're lame. And, you know, they got with God. This is the only time this is possible. But they're asking the question, how are your eyes even open? And the man replies, a man who is called Jesus. He made some mud and he put it on my eyes and he told me to go wash. So I went and washed and I could see. Where is this man? He says, I don't know. So I want to stop right there real quick. Getting into this, this is the, the big kicker. Um, I've shared in the past how all of these things relate uh, to in, you know, in my personal experiences throughout my, throughout my week. And in some cases, they have related to myself. Some cases, they've related to other people. This one here that we're talking about, I am preaching straight to myself today. One of the problems I have, and this is one of the motivations as far as why I decided to begin doing these podcasts, is I don't know how to shut up. Uh, I love, I, I talk too much, I, I don't know how to, I, I really do not think, there's some cases where I do not think before I talk, I will admit that, that's, that is a flaw of mine. But also when it comes to the word of God, this is something I, I, I really, I was like, man, you know, it's there, they ask the question, I don't care if they're meaning it, I don't care how they're meaning it, I want to answer it. And I want to answer it, I want to share it, because these, these experiences and the understanding, when you truly understand the text, is so beautiful and so rich. And I love that. I love sharing that. If you don't want to hear it, that's up to you. You allow God, if God, if God works in your heart, awesome. I remember uh, speaking with somebody, they asked me at one point, um, trying to teach, and I, I, I admit to them I, 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 that I do agree with this. Um, I can't remember word for word, but it, you know they, they mentioned somewhere that you need to preach the you know explain things and, and teach things in a way that so, that people understand. In other words, the explanation is right on top, but they haven't reached it yet. So you've got to come down here and help explain it to them. Come down to their level. But you see. I, I agree with that when it comes to anything else except for the scriptures. Because when it comes to the word of God, we speak it as if it is the word of God. You don't just speak it to teach somebody. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we have a superficial faith today is because we've dumbed down the gospel so much. But that's not what we're to do. You see, it is the minister's job, it is the minister's obligation to preach the word of God as God intended it, as it stands. Not as we interpret it, but as God said. You know, the parent themselves, they can tell you to go clean your room, you go shove all your toys, all your dirty clothes, everything in your closet and lock that sucker up. There's, you know, the rest of the room is spotless. Well, you know, you listen to dad and he you know, said, I clean my room. That's not what he meant. He didn't tell you to go shove everything in the closet, but he wanted you to clean it. So we need to really get into, into what it means, and that's the rich part here. And my point is this. We need to speak it as such. If somebody hears it or doesn't hear it, that is solely up to God. If we have a crowd of five, of ten people, whoever it is, there might be one or two people in there that God is going to pull out of the clutches of Satan and he's going to rescue them and he's going to give them a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. So, if there's a crowd of unsaved believers, or no, I'm sorry, not unsaved believers, of, of, un, of unsaved people, of un, the unregenerate, the sinners, speak. Speak as if you speak the power and the authority of God and the gospel you proclaim. And when you do that, you trust that God will work through you and out of those people, he will save. Don't try to stoop down to their level, but you preach it. As 
Paul says in Romans, I believe it's 1.16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power unto salvation to, for all to believe. We speak the gospel. The gospel works. The people believe because of that. What happens then is all up to God. Our duty is just to speak it. But these people here that he's dealing with, first he comes off with his neighbors, you know, some possibly friends, people who, who know him personally. Um, as we said here, people who don't know him. And then we have, you know, they're wondering, you know, what's going on? And we have this going on today. This is something we deal with, something I, I deal with a lot. Um, you know, at work, we have people that, um, you know, we, we got people that would ask questions. There's two kinds of people with this. There's one who are, is sincerely looking for answers. And then there's one who's just looking to make you look stupid. The one who's wanting to make you look stupid, this is the one who's simply doesn't want the answers. I deal with this too. Mike, uh, welcome to the party here. Hope you're enjoying this. But these people who do not want the answers, these people who don't want to listen, these are the peoples we don't talk to. These are the peoples we hide the truth. And this comes some serious discernment because we need to really understand the character and the motives behind this. And, and this, to be completely honest, this is where I get trapped. Because regardless of who it is, whether sincere or not, at that point in time, my only focus is, let me share the word of God with you. And so I do, and then from their perspective later on, I look pretty stupid. But from my perspective, I was like, I feel so sorry for you. The truth has been blind, or you're blinded from the truth. You don't want it, you don't look for it, you're arrogant, you're prideful. You're just in it to make people look stupid. Your own pride and your own selfishness blinds you to this truth. This blind man, or formerly blind man, he's asked, you know, who healed you? He says, what happened? He says, well, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, 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 he did, I just remember hearing a man, you know, he, he, he put his hands in the mud, you know, it, it possibly, it was possible that there was witnesses. It's also possible that it was a private event. Regardless, that doesn't matter. Somehow he knew, um, I would presume that it was Jesus while he was going through the healing process. And this is if they were alone, but while they were going through this process, Jesus is letting them know, he's like, Hey, I'm putting my hands in the mud. And you're going to feel something on your eyes, but don't be alarmed. He's like, okay, I, I trust you. I don't know who you are. I don't know if you've got somebody that's, you know, just wanting to make me look stupid or I don't, or if you're really doing this, uh, you know, for something. I don't know. But I trust you. So he puts mud on his eyes. He put mud on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam, which I would presume is not too far off because this blind man... You know, he's got to direct himself. He, you know, he might have a friend, you know, knows the map, you know, just as any other blind person would know. Possibly has the area of Jerusalem memorized to a certain degree. And uh, so he goes and washes his eyes. And Jesus is gone. So he can see now. And this is all he knows. This is like, you know, I don't know what's going on, but this man, the man that everybody's calling Jesus, he, he came and spit, put mud on my face and told me to go wash. And now I can see. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know where he went. But I know I can see. Now, there's another point I want to get in with that. But before we get into that, let's continue our reading here. It says they brought to the, they brought the, to the Pharisees the man. So they, they brought this man into the temple. They brought him to the Pharisees or synagogue. And, you know, he, you know, they began to question the man who's been born blind. Now, the day in which Jesus had done this was the Sabbath. So all this, this entire event is taking place on the Sabbath. The, you know, this so-called trial is taking place. Like, you know, this is, this is the Pharisees ask, you know, how did you receive your sight? He said, you know, he put mud on my So he's given the same testimony again to, to the Pharisees. And I got a commentary. We'll get to that. Um, I want to share that. It's rather interesting. And the Pharisee said, This man is not of God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. That was their thing. It says, This is the sin. 
We've tried to trap him in every single possible way we can. But the sin, the only sin that we have on this man is he does not keep the Sabbath. He's broken the law. How can a man be a sinner and still come from God? He can't. And they say this at the, in the next verse. Is how does a sinner perform such signs? It's impossible. So you've got a group of people who are believing in and a group of people who are not. And, and they begin to question him more. He says, what do you have to say? And the man says, like, they still do not believe. He says, I believe that this man is a prophet. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he looks like. You know, I've heard people call him Jesus, but I've never seen him. I believe in him. This is where we're at today in, in, our, in our lives. As, you know, and Christ says this. I'm not, I don't have this uh, on hand, but he says, blessed are those who believe but have not seen. I think it's towards the end of John, perhaps. It's not our experiences. It's not these visual tests it's not these visual experiences we need in order to support this we don't need this physical evidence to believe we simply have faith in christ and through that faith he reveals it to us he opens our eyes more the more we seek the more we find jeremiah 29 13 says that if we seek him with all our heart we will find him so this is what's going on. This is the only possible way we will see. So they still do not believe this man who has been born blind. And this is really where it gets chaotic, a mess. They bring his parents in. Now, this is, the, this is really where it gets to be messed up. Because we have this man who was blind testifying, I was blind. But I can see now, and not only that, but we have his neighbors and friends and everybody who spoke to beforehand. They've testified, yeah, this surely, this guy was in fact born blind. He says, okay, we don't believe this. This is, this is a load of hogwash. Let's go ahead and bring your, your, your parents in. And the fact that they're bringing the parents in really goes to support. And it goes to show just how ignorant these Pharisees were. They were so bound up on the physical action of obeying the law. And they're so blinded to that Christ was the Messiah. They rejected that so much that they would not believe the sign. They were like, okay, how else are we to justify this? You know, maybe we can get some sort of ex example from somebody else, and you know, such as the parents here, to really go to some, you know, beat back us up that, that this Messiah guy was a fake and that, you know, this blind man wasn't really blind. Um, you know, he might have had like a little bit of dirt in his eyes or something, whatever. Um, but, but they're trying to justify that this man was never, in fact, blind. He... So you bring the parents in. And he says, we know that this is our son. This is, this is him. This truly is. And we know he was born blind, but now you can see and who opened his eyes. We don't know. Ask him. He's of age and he can speak for himself. Now this passage here, this is, a, this is very risky. And we see this, and I want to point this out because um, as you continue reading the ministry of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see the character of people or the concerns uh, played out. And I'll get to that here in a moment. It says, but uh, how he can see or open his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And verse 22, it says his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Why? Because the Jewish leaders have already, before this event has taken place, they've already sent a degree out. Word has gotten out that anybody who decided to acknowledge that this Jesus Christ is in fact the Messiah, they will be cast out. They will not be welcomed into the religious community. Now there's more. Because even so, let me actually see if I got a commentary on this in my person, my own book here. Um, because I love, I, I do this in my personal reading. I've got a friend of mine who, um, there's not. Okay. Um, what's interesting is this, this is more than just being cast out of the synagogue. These people were risking their community, not just within the church, but outside of that. They risked 
essentially being cast out from their family. They risked being cast out from their city. They risked being in exile and forced to go live somewhere else, whether in the wilderness or some other city. It was possible that they lost it all. So this is the big thing here. Now we do not see it in this passage, but there's in some cases where Christ would say to, you know, okay, you're healed. Now, don't go tell anybody who did this, but follow the things of Moses. Live your life out of sin. Sin no more. And there's a bunch of variations as far as how Christ goes about that within the, within the Gospels. But he's essentially telling them, he's, he's challenging them to obedience. And we have some of these people who can testify who have been healed. And what do they do? They go straight to the Pharisees and they say, this man, Jesus healed me. Hey, why don't you come? I've seen where he was. I know where he's hanging out. He's over there. Let's go. By doing that, by going to the Pharisees, by reporting to the Pharisees, they're not giving testimony. They're not trying to share the gospel. What they're doing is they're showing their loyalty to the Pharisees, rather to Christ, who is the Messiah. So these people here, the parents and the son himself, they've got a lot at risk. Their very faith is essentially being put on trial. The challenge is at hand. And they say, it's like, you know what? I'm going to play it safe. I'm not going to risk being exiled from the community. My son, he's of age. Go, you know, you ask him. I can tell you that this is my son. I can tell you that he was, in fact, born blind. And I can even tell you that that's, you know, he clearly does see. But who it is that healed him, whether it be a false teacher or the true Messiah, I'm not, I'm not permitted to give you an answer just yet. So they're saving their own butts. And then we get to a second time, the same man was summoned. He was, he was kicked out of the synagogue and you know now he's being brought back in. And he says the second time, I give you, I'm telling you the truth. Now I want to stop right there real quick. Is... This is the really, this man, this blind man is really the character that we as Christians should have. This is the, the way in which we should be living our lives. Uh, and again, myself included with this is when we have somebody, we've got two different people. We've got the people who will listen to the testimony. We've got the people who will come to us with sincere questions. I can name a couple offhand, and again, I've got a couple that come to my mind that I work with, and I also have a couple in mind that just come to, you know, make me look stupid, to be a mockery. The ones who are not looking for the answers, don't even bother giving it to them. If they're just looking to make a joke about it, learn, and I say learn, and, and test your, not test, but train yourself to not even reply. Because by not replying, you're going to show the person's character. They themselves, their own guilt will take place because they know truly why they are trying to get an answer out of you just so that they can attack it and everything. And by not giving an answer, they'll know it's like, okay, you know, I'm kind of a disrespectful person. You know, put whatever colorful words you would like in there. But I'm the one in wrong. I'm coming at him as a mockery. I'm the one that needs to work on my character. And they'll get that. Now we all do want to, um, we all do want to minister to others, even, you know, regardless of who it is. But Christ, he only revealed himself to those, one, whom God gave him, which we talked about, I believe, back in uh, John chapter 6 and 7. And he also only revealed himself to those who are sincere of heart who seek the truth, who seek repentance. Now, before we continue on, let me actually mark this down so we don't uh, lose our spot here. Um, okay, verse 24, I want you guys to remember that. Verse 24 is where we stopped. Now, I want to stop right there and because I've got a couple other verses I want to share, and I'm really hoping we have time to get through this. How do we know who is the people? who we are to speak to. Well, there's a couple of ways in which we can find this out. And I got a couple of verses I'm going to share that help allude to who or how we can identify this and also help to support why. Um, we've already talked about 
the the reasoning behind this that you know they're they're coming as a mockery of disrespect but there's a little bit more to this now the first we're not going to get into this uh this whole piece yet but uh judging others uh john chapter seven not john matthew chapter seven one through six this is uh, the entire context of this segment uh which does come for a need to discern and to have a judgment but the piece i want us to look at here this is the judgment christ is giving in verse matthew chapter 7 verse 6 he says do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before the pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you this is a judgment you know the passage we that says do not judge also it's you know implies that we are to give a judge we need to judge others in order to find out who are the dogs and the pigs. So, what is holy? What are the pearls? What is precious? This is the word of God. This is the gospel. Essentially what Christ is saying here is if you have somebody that's coming to you and they're seeking questions and they're coming with a, a false heart, they don't want the truth, but they just want to, you know, throw it under the, under, you know, trample it and they want to turn and attack you and make a mockery of you and make you look stupid. Jesus clearly says, these are the dogs. These are the dogs and these are the pigs. These are the unworthy. These are the filthy sinners. By nature, I'm making that clear. By nature, not by title. By nature and title, um, which we'll get to at another point, because there is a difference between sinner and righteous, or sinner and saint. Um, so Jesus clearly tells us that you know, okay, there's a certain group of people uh, in the world that we should not even bother to give testimony to. In this case, it would be the Pharisees. Now, there's uh, another piece, and that's actually why Christ began to spoke in parables was for that very reason. Now, there's another piece here. Uh, I got a couple of them. I'm going to quickly go through them because we're running low on time. We still got, a, uh, I don't know, about 20 some odd verses to run through real quick. Um, so if you want to write that down and put that in your study, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. And now write this down as well. Matthew, or not Matthew, uh, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 46. If I can get to that, I'm flipping over this. I'm in verse 6. I'm chapter 16. We need to go to 13. There we go. Chapter 13, verse 46. Give me a minute to find this here. Okay. Um, let me actually start a little bit uh, ahead of time. It says that he went out. They begged. Uh, nope, we're not starting there. Let's see here. Okay, the next Sabbath. The next event. Uh, this is starting in verse 44, and we'll read to 46. Um Yes, invert to verse 46. So verse 44 says, The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And this is Paul Paul and Barnabas giving testimony. They're giving the gospel of Christ. So almost everybody in the city have come to gather, but the Jews saw the crowds. And these Jews are the hostile Jews. You know, when it refers to the Jews, that's who it's referring to. These hostile Jews uh, saw the crowds, and they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul reviling him and Paul and Barnabas spoke boldly saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first but I'm putting that in there however since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy for eternal life so what Paul and Barnabas are saying is, okay, we've given you the gospel. We've given you the message, the, the key to salvation, but you've cast it aside. You've rejected it. You want nothing to do with it. So because of this, because of your own actions, your own actions are going to be what judges you, and it is your own actions in which is going to consider you to be unworthy of eternal life. Because of this, behold... We are turning to the Gentiles. That's a huge slap in the face. What Paul and Barnabas are saying there is, okay, we've attempted to speak to you, but because you've shown evidence of a heart that's been closed off and been blinded from the truth, and because you've identified by your actions and you know, even your words, because you've identified yourselves, as Christ would put it, as dogs, as pigs, we're not going to give you 
what is sacred. We're not going to give you what is holy. We're not going to give you the precious pearls. So there's another piece. And instead, we're going to go to somebody else. We're going to go to the Gentiles because the Gentiles will hear us. I want to go to, uh, this is referring to false teachers, uh, but the same principle can apply here as well. 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. It says, Have nothing to do with foolish or ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Foolish and ignorant. These are the things I want us to, the, the, uh, and controversy, I guess this whole entire thing can be applied. What, if, it, if, it, if these words that are coming out of this mouth is considered foolish, or if you see it, you know, compared to the word of God, if it is foolishness that they're coming with you with, if it is ignorance that they're coming, and if they're just wanting to build controversy, avoid them. Have nothing to do with them. Now, in verse 24, I thought this was rather interesting as I was reading this here. It says, As the Lord, a Lord's servant, referring to the ministers of Christ, must not be quarrelsome by nature, you know, don't intentionally build up quarrels, um, but kind in our nature, be kind to everyone and able to teach. Now, the Greek would necessarily says skilled to teach. Now, if you find somebody that you're unable to teach, that does not necessarily mean you're not skilled to teach. But here's the kicker. This is the piece that stood out. You need to be skilled to teach, but also the person must be teachable. And if they're unteachable, much like the Pharisees, the hostile Jews, and everybody we're referring to, then these are the people that we are, as Paul would have it here to Timothy, avoid, you know, have nothing to do with this. Avoid it. Because it does nothing but breed up quarrel, problems, and controversies. And another piece, this is the last one, and then we'll get back to our text. Titus, chapter 3. That one, and by the way, if you didn't write that down, that's 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 23. And this last one here I want to share with you comes from Titus, chapter 3, verse 9. This is actually one that has helped me out in my personal journey. This is one of the first ones I noticed. It says in verse 9 here, it says, but avoid foolish controversies. Same thing. He's basically saying the same thing here. Avoid these, these foolish genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, you know, about the word of God, uh, for they are unprofitable and they are worthless. So in other words, if these conversations, if these people are coming to you just for controversies, just to build quarrel, just to heckle, that's actually a new word in my vocabulary. I wasn't too familiar with the ter the word itself. Um, if they're just coming to you know pick a fight, so to speak, don't bother with it. It's pointless. It's meaningless. They've already identified themselves as a dog. And as I said, this is one that I personally have to deal with. This is the challenge I'm working. I'm continuously working on training myself uh, and so far I've failed because I love talking about this stuff so much um, but this is the stuff we these are the people we need to recognize it's a sad truth but we need to really come down to it's like ah, okay see there's a gentleman at work I've been at in the company I work at I've been there about uh, six and a half years and in six and a, six and a half years I've identified the dogs I've identified the pigs but I'm still trying to give them the scraps off the table. And I'm still trying to throw the pearls in the slop. I hope one day the Lord works through them, but ultimately the challenge for me is to learn to stop speaking or learn when not to speak. Now as we get back to this text, it says they bring him a second time. He says, okay... You know, these Pharisees are like, okay, you know, praise God. Let's give God the glory by telling the truth. Give us the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. See, this is all they really wanted. They wanted to know that this man was a false teacher. They wanted people to back him up. They wanted people on his side. But this blind man says, like, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. But the one thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. And this is really goes with our testimony because we need to go, when it comes to discussing it with people, we really need to know when to stop and how far to go because, you know, there's we have these people who want to mock it and we really need to ask the question or really be willing to give the example just like such. 
He says, well, I don't know. I can't give you all the answers. And that's where faith comes into play. I had somebody at work, again, you know, they were talking about, I was like, you know, if you have the facts, you don't need the faith. It was like, I need the faith because I don't have all the facts. I know I, know I trust the Bible. I know God is real. Um, I can, you know, based on, based on my personal experience, based on archaeological evidence and historical evidence and so on, I can testify that it is 100% true. But I don't. That doesn't mean I know a hundred percent of what God's will is, or what His sovereign plan. And because of that, I have to rely on faith, just as any other child. They don't completely know what their parents have in store, but they trust their parents to take care of them. They trust their parents to provide, and they trust their teachings. So too, we must trust God, have faith in God, for the things we don't know. And this is essentially where this man's coming from, because he, he's never really had a conversation outside of, I'm healed um, with Christ up until this point. So he says, I don't know this I don't know this guy's background. I don't know what he's been involved with. I don't know what, what, what kind of sins he has. I don't even know if he's I don't even know hundred percent right now if he's truly the Messiah. But there's one thing I do know is I know that this man came into my life. And he touched me, and he pierced my very soul. And I was once now—I was once blind, but now I see, because it was grace that came upon me. And they asked him, "What did he do to you?" And they're—they're—they're they're, they're drilling him. They're, they keep drilling him. They know these answers. And finally, you know, he comes back with a, a very. A smart, a sarcastic response. You see this here because by the nature of these questions that he the, the, he's giving them or that, that, that he's being interrogated with, he clearly knows the nature of the of these Pharisees, of these people. They don't want the truth. So he gives a sarcastic response. It says in verse 27, I have told you. I have told you the truth. I've told you my experience. I've told you not once, but I've told you twice. Not only that, but my own parents came to give testimony. That's not enough. But he says, even with all the proof right in front of you, you still do not listen. And then here's the, you know, it says, why do you want to hear this again? I'm just going to tell you the exact same thing. I've already told you twice. I've told you twice. And I thought this was kind of interesting. I was reading it somewhere. I don't even know where... Um, it goes back, uh, I think, in our, in our reading in, in 2 Timothy. It's either, it's either 2 Timothy 2, 23, or Titus 3, 9. But it refers to that idea that, you know, tell the person twice. You know, same same principle Christ lays out for the discipline of the church. Matthew 18 says, bring it, you know, tell them twice. Third time, have nothing to do with them. And this is what's going on here. He brings up the sarcastic question, knowing full well what's going on. It says, do you want to become his disciples too? He's being sarcastic by that because they've already divided themselves. They've already said, this man's a sinner. This man is not of God. Speak the truth. Give God the glory, not Jesus the glory. And he says, why? Why do you ask me a third time? Do you want to know the truth? Do you want to become his disciples? And it's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. That was very disrespectful. How dare you? We are not. By never means will we follow this, this wicked sinner, this man who, who breaks the laws of the Sabbath. So they hurled insults at him and says, you are, a fellow, you are this fellow's disciple, aren't you? We are disciples of Moses. We are disciples of the true God. You are a false believer. You are being led astray. You, too, are a wicked sinner because you follow the sinner. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. We know he's not of God, but we don't know who he is. He says, now isn't that remarkable? Isn't that remarkable? You, you don't know where he comes from, yet your eyes, yet he opened up my eyes. And this, this, this is really the piece here. It says you don't know the truth, but yet I'm giving you the truth. The evidence is laid right in front of you, and you're so blind, you're so ignorant to this. And this is his response to the Pharisees. We know that God, this is, I think, really interesting. When it comes to prayers, this, I want to throw that in there. This is an important piece here as well. When it comes to prayers, the very first prayer that's heard is a, 
prayer of repentance. If you haven't repented, if you're not of the body of Christ, if you have not been committed to Christ, you're not a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, you are not of his body, you are not of his kingdom, you are not his child. And if you are not his child, this applies to you. We know that God does not listen to sinners. This is referring to prayers. But he listens to the godly person who does his will. Now, here's the kicker. If you are a godly person, you are a righteous, you are a saint, you have been saved, you have been sanctified, you have been justified, you are in the body of Christ. You are, by definition, by God's definition, a godly person. And if you live your life, you're not always going to live your life according to his will, but if you seek your life to do his will, then that alone is evidence that is proof that God will in fact listen to you does this mean he will follow through with everything you ask no but it does mean he hears your voice and he says nobody has ever heard of opening eyes of a blind man if this man were not from God how could he do such thing if he did not have the power of God on his side how would it even be possible? My own life is testimony of the change, of the reality, the truth that this is in fact the Messiah. And how we can relate this to our day, our day today is my own life is evidence that the Messiah is real. I'll, I'll tell you straight up. I don't share this a lot because it's irrelevant. It's, it's in my old life. But I'm going to give an, an example here. My family, those the, the, pe the people who knew me when I was a child, uh, and they know me now, everybody could testify I'm a completely different person. I had anger issues. Um, I, at one point, I hit my principal. Um, I, I would get angry enough uh, that I would scare, in, intentionally, on purpose, I would scare my sister into a corner and just so I could get her to run away and leave me alone because I wanted to do my thing. I wanted to watch TV. I wanted to play video games. I wanted to go hang out with my friends. And she was supposed to be the mature, responsible one to make sure that the that certain things got done, that I cleaned my room, did dishes, did my chores, whatever chores there were, um, uh, that I did my homework. But I didn't want to do it. So I would scare my sister into a corner, and at one point, I don't personally remember this, but she does, and I, I've got no choice but to believe her, because an event like this is something you're not going to forget. She, she claimed at one point, um, or multiple, I don't know, that um, I would pull her hair, and you know, I, I dragged her across the floor. I, what reasons for were that, I don't know. Again, I don't remember the event um, and, um, or anything about it, but that was who I was. And if the people looked at that and saw me, and they saw me now, there's completely two different people. Two different people. They'd be like, you're not the man. And you know, in fact, I get this all the time. Uh, not all the time, but uh, when I when it does come up that I was, you know, as a kid, I was in a juvenile hall a couple times. Um, I uh, was on probation. Um, a couple, yeah, as a re obviously arrested, would come into play there. So I had, a, I had a, in my teenage years, I had a record. And when I, when I bring this up in conversation, or when if it does come up, these people are like, no, that, that's not you. I, I can't even see that. And you're right, they can't, because that was the sinner. That was the man who was living in the world, is not compared to the man who's living in God now. And that's my testimony. He says, look, I can't give you a physical display of Christ here right now. I can't tell you 100% that the physical existence, you cannot prove the physical existence of God. You can prove the evidence or show the evidence that goes to support it, but you cannot support the physical evidence of God. And I would put myself in there. He says, you know, it's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. You don't know where he comes from. He opened my eyes. You know, I used to be a sinner. I used to be in my sins. I used to be a unfilthy creature. But this man came and he changed me. This could not happen if it were not of God alone. We know in Romans chapter 3 that nobody seeks God, nobody does good. Everybody in their own fallen nature is, is guilty 
of doing selfish ambitions. Even our good deeds are filthy rags. I share that so much. We need to drill that in our minds. And the only possible way that, you know, this man's saying, the only possible way that I could be, you know, be able to see is by the power of God alone. So this man has made it in his heart. I believe that he is the Messiah. In fact, we get into that. It says, they reply, you are steep in your sin at birth. They, you know, and they're, they're under the belief, which we talked about last week as well, that it was believed that if you have some sort of uh, calamity, such as this man being born blind, it is believed that, that you have a sin, that you or your parents have a sin that has caused this. But Christ says, no, that's not the case. So, what's being, what's happening is these people are claiming that you have been so filthy with sin and, you know, you are completely unworthy. How dare you lecture us? How dare you lecture us righteous people? And says, we don't want to hear a word you have to say. Why? Because you're throwing us under the dirt. Not only that, but you're confronting our sins, our wickedness. Have nothing to do with that. Instead, we're going to call you crazy. We're not going to listen to you. You're unloving. You're unrighteous. You're unholy. You are of the devil. Get rid of him. He's, he's not one of us. So the event's done. And this, uh, before we get into this last piece here, I think what we can take away from um, this man who was blind is, is really the evidence. You know, three different times he gives testimony um, of the event of what's taken place in his life and he says like I've already spoken to you here's the evidence the evidence is right in front of you whether you choose to listen to it or not that's a different story so he's pretty much said it's like I'm, I'm done you guys the truth is, is in front of you and you're blind and I think what we can take away from that much like the parents themselves Granted, they had a lot to lose, as we've already discussed, but we, we can take a lot away from that as far as knowing when to speak to, or knowing when to speak about our faith, and knowing who to speak to. That's something really important. Before we do speak, well, when it comes to somebody asking questions, I want to make that clear. When it comes to somebody asking questions about the Christian faith, before you give a response, discern, are they coming with a sincere heart, a sincere interest? Or they just come to make a mockery of this. Now, when you when you make the initial act and you give the gospel, give it to anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if they're pig, if they're if they're a dog, or or some sort of righteous person, which you know nobody's righteous as we already know. Give it to everybody. But if they identify themselves after you've already you've given so much evidence out that they that they're not even going to take it, as we as we said in Acts chapter thirteen, verse forty six, is hey, I've already given you the gospel. You chose to brush it aside. So because of because of that, I'm done speaking to you. I'm going to go talk to these guys. And that alone will be the judgment of their condemnation. That alone, that judgment, their guilt will be on them. Now Christ comes into the scene later on. Jesus comes out and says he, he, has, he has heard that he's been thrown out of the synagogue. So he found the man. And he, said, he, he just asked him the question. Do you believe the Son of Man? This is the remarkable thing here. Christ is, is, is physically unknown to this man. He, he probably recognizes the voice. Um, probably not. I mean, it was probably just such a quick event. Uh, and there was such a lot going on. He might, he might have, have this whole casting out thing on his mind. And this, these Pharisees that were talking to him. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the personal mindset of what's going on. I would say that, you know, he might, have, might be in that. He might be so dwelled on that that he's not even paying attention to the voice that he heard. So Jesus, the very man that healed him, he comes in and he asks this question. He says, do you believe? Do you believe the Son of Man? Do you believe? And keep in mind, anytime Christ says the Son of Man, he's claiming authority. This isn't humility. This is a man of authority, a man of power. Do you believe in this man? Do you believe in the Messiah? And the very first question, he doesn't say yes. But he says, who is he? Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. I want to stop right there. When we believe in something, we have trust. We have faith in him. So this man 
he already has faith in the Messiah. He already believes that the man who healed him just a, you know, a couple hours earlier, or even a day or so, uh, he believes 100% that the man who came up and healed him is, in fact, of God and quite possibly could be the very Messiah that they've been waiting on. But what he does, he says, Who is this man? Who is the Son of Man? Who is this Messiah? People have been talking about him so much. I mean, I, I've heard about him. I want to believe. I want to worship him. I want to honor him. I want to call him Lord. But I don't want to give it to the wrong person. I don't want to give worship to somebody who does not deserve worship. I don't want to follow somebody who doesn't deserve to be followed. I don't want to believe in the teachings of the false teacher. Can you help me find this man? Can you show me? Clearly, everybody has been pointing to him. I don't know what he looks like. Can you show me? So that I may submit to him, that I may get on my knees, and I may claim that he is, in fact, Lord. So Jesus responds. He says, you have seen him. You were once blind, but the very man that you see is the very man who healed you. In fact, he's not the only the one who healed you, but he's the one who's speaking to you. I am that man, my child. I am that man who you can call Lord. And then the man responds back with such a beautiful thing. He says, I believe. And he worshipped him right then and there. And that's all it took. He says, the evidence is clear in my life. I don't need to do any archaeological dig. I don't need to be sifting through the Bible and, and, and con you know finding all these contradictions or puzzling it together. All I know is that I was once blind. I, 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 I was once a wicked sinner, vile sinner. I was once unregenerate. I was once blind, but now I see. I've been made clean. I've been made holy. I've been made justified. That's all I know. I'm a changed man. I'll figure the rest out as time goes on, but what I do know now is that God alone is, deserves the glory. And not only that, but the man who healed me was the Messiah that was spoken of in all the prophecies of old. And I recognize that. Do I believe it? Do I, under, do I understand everything? Absolutely not. But I do believe that this man is him. Praise God that you have come. And... Blessed am I to see you. Now Jesus says an interesting thing. For judgment, I have come into the world. Now we say that Christ didn't come to judge the world, but to save it, which is true. But this judgment that Christ did not come to judge uh, is a judgment of condemnation. But he still does pass judgment. He passes judgment of condemnation on the Pharisees when he says that you have, uh, you, you know, referring to the unforg unforgivable sin, um, I can't remember word for word, but he basically says, he's saying, saying you know, that what you've done is, is blasphemy, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, which that is what they were guilty of, calling Christ, doing the works of Beelzebul. So Christ himself is called Satan. And Christ, this is the judgment. He, he, this, this judgment of condemnation, I think this is important, important to make known. This condemnation means that the, what Christ came to do or not do is a condemnation on the entire world. He did pass judgment. Uh, he did call people wicked. He did call people vile, brood of vipers, sinners, unrepentant, you know, whatever else you can possibly think of, hypocrites. He passed judgment. But he passed a right judgment. He didn't come to judge the, the, the entire world of everybody. But he came to heal the world, to save it. He came so that the blind will see. And that those who, will, who do claim that they can see will become blind. Now, is that a contradiction? No, it's not. What's happening here, what Christ is saying, is that there's a group of people that think that they're so knowledgeable about the truth, but yet they're completely ignorant to it. They claim to be full of knowledge. They claim to be truth seekers, but they are liars. They are false. These are the people that are blind. And it's not that, that Jesus is making them blind, but he's declaring that you are blind. Because you claim, because you claim to see, I'm going to shut your eyes. But, here's the interesting piece here. It says, what are, are we blind to? Are you, wait a minute, Jesus... 
You're full of it. You're you're crazy. You're a sinner. You're not of God. You know. You know. Some of these Pharisees that says here in verse forty, it says you were. You know. Are we claim? Are you claiming that we are blind too? Are you claiming that we don't see the truth? That we don't know the truth? And Jesus well says, well, yeah, actually I am. Because he says, if you were blind, referring to if you started off blind, then you wouldn't be guilty of sin. If you acknowledged that you were clueless, if you acknowledged that you didn't know any better, and you repented of this, you would not be guilty of your sins. But because your sins have been brought into the light and you refuse to acknowledge them, because you refuse to repent of them, because you refuse to follow me, because you refuse to submit to God, because of this, you may claim that you can in fact see, but the reality is that your guilt remains. You in fact are blind guys. So, I think really what we can get over this, there's a lot that we had to cover here, um, and we're already wrapped up on time, but we, we have, um, I'm going to say this, I guess really what I want to get to is this bottom point here, and I was meditating on this all week, um, is really knowing when to keep silent. And that's what I titled this, Silent to the Blind. If, if you know, these people are identified as dogs, as hypocrites, uh, even false believers. I want you to go back to that. Um, there's a, a two-part series, a two-part uh, sermon series I did over how to be a false disciple. And with that, we went over with John chapter 6 and 7, I believe is what it was. And there are some attributes to that. And this kind of relates as well. They question the truth and they deny the truth. But go back and check that out. Because and I think those are, I think those can be, be used as steps that we can use to identify should we speak to said person or should we be silent. This is how we can know. We can know this based on um, what's going on, you know, their character, their lifestyle. So, um, use that to discern before you speak to anybody, uh, check it out and decide, you know, with great discernment and, and guidance by God, because you're going to come with people who ask questions, but the reason is, is do we answer them? So, um, that's really all I have for you guys today. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, feel free to put them in the comments. Um, those who are listening to the audio, you can contact us at christiancornerstone.org or Facebook on, the, on our uh, website. And again, if you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by going to christiancornerstone.org, um, by becoming a monthly subscriber. Again, as we shared in the beginning, you can get a little incentives, um, you know, free merchandise, updates as far as what's going on a little bit more as this ministry itself progresses and continues uh, to grow. Um, there will be more options that were laid out there, and we can do this with your help. If you're, if you feel like you'd like this and you're getting a lot out of this, um, allow us to continue this growth and to to support this ministry financially. Um, any contribution of any amount will be a great help uh, to this ministry. So um, that's all I have for you guys, and uh, I hope you guys have yourself a very wonderful weekend. God bless.